Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast, is part of the Big Heads Media Network. For more information, go to bigheadsmedia.com. Go! Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. And we're like Forte and Haywood. North Carolina basketball players. Yes! Yes. Haywood was was my favorite. Brendan, you know who I like better than Forte? I do. Is he a point guard? Yes. Is his name start with Ed? Yes. And does his name end in Coda? Yes, it does. How many many conversations have we had about Ed Coda in our, like, 15 years of knowing each other? At least 100. Yeah. Yeah, Jake really likes Ed. Jake really does. He's not lying. I'm not. Jake doesn't really like basketball that much anymore, but he still likes Ed Coda. <laughs> him and Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> yeah, you did like him. Uh, I, I think that one of the big mysteries that's going to haunt the rest of your life is why didn't Ed Coda get a fair shake in the NBA? That's what I'm saying. Was it size? I know he was a little small. Was he too fundamental? What was it? <laughs> you know? Before we get to anything having to do with football, uh, we're recording on September 10th. This is a day that Jake and I remember. Uh, we'll probably remember the rest of our lives. Uh, the next morning, waking up and learning of the news of uh, the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Centers and the Pentagon. You know, it's, it's one of those things I saw on Facebook today. People, people posted things about, like, you know, 18 years ago, thousands of people went to bed at night not realizing it was their last time going to bed with their loved ones. And, and I just thought that was really powerful. Yeah, that, that is – especially for myself and you being new parents, um, the thought of not being around for our kids as growing up is devastating. Um, but fortunately, we are still here to be the best dads that we can be. Um, some people aren't that fortunate. Some people didn't make it out of there. And, um, you know, I think at least once a year, we owe it to everybody that was involved to think about them and kind of remember, you know, everybody says, you know, always remember. And I think for a good reason, you know, I think that it was a kind of a low spot in our nation's history until it brought everybody together in remembrance and, I think it's a very powerful day in our history. I agree. And, you know, my, my dad's a first responder. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit more of that, you know, uh, just appreciation. And my mom worked for the police department. Like there's a really big appreciation for the first responders who showed up for that. I know that, you know, before your shoulder injury, that's what you were going to do. You, uh, you were a first responder for a while when we lived together and, you know, the, the bravery that those guys showed that day and that those, you know, all, all first responders show on a daily basis is, uh, is a really harrowing, uh, example of, uh, selflessness. It's, it's, that's exactly the word I was going to use too. It's very selfless. That's a very selfless career to take. You know, there's a reason that a lot of people idolize them and it's because you are every day giving your body and and your life up for other people and and that, that there's appreciation there not just to firemen but to cops as well especially from this podcast 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it's really interesting to think back about, about that time and, and how you said it was one of the, the worst moments in this nation's history. And uh, I just, I can't, th- I can't help but think about how united they came from, uh, we came out from that, um, how everybody was there for each other. Everybody was uh, united. Very, yeah, united is a really good word. And, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not, we're not going to get too political on this show, but that's something that, that we are definitely missing. But, you know, this, this podcast is a really good embodiment of, of that United stuff because, you know, it, the, the baseline of Jake and I being friends is really, really important. But you got people on two different sides of the aisle here. We got a conservative and we got a liberal and we're able to get along and respect <laughs> each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that that's really important. Absolutely. And not only are we two complete opposite ends of the spectrum as far as conservative and liberal, but we are absolute best friends. And, yeah. and we talk almost every day. And, and if you know Jake, you know that he's the conservative. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I mean, I'm a uh, live on acreage, race car driving construction worker. <laughs> it doesn't get much. And you are a teacher. It doesn't get much more opposite of that. So, okay, let's get into some college football, huh? Let's. After a loss and a bad loss, a loss that Washington shouldn't uh, shouldn't have suffered, um, I have a tendency to not listen to podcasts that week because of a lot of the negativity swirling around. So our goal today is to keep this as positive as possible and to give some constructive criticism but really look at this team for what it still is. This team is still a good football team, and they lost to a, a pretty good football team. So with that being said, Jake, how do you feel? I'm pissed off. Great. <laughs> I'm mad. You know, I think what I'm most upset about is that I ran my mouth last week on our podcast hmm. and said that there's no way that Cal comes into our house and beats us and then does. Cal, man, I, at the end of the day – you just got to give it to Cal, right? You got to – they did exactly what Evan Weaver said that they were going to do. They came up here and they won. When when we went up 10 to nothing, my initial thought in my head was you, you need to put your foot on their throat and you need to end it now. You need to go out and you need to score another touchdown and re- really throttle these guys. Yeah. And when they, when they didn't and Cal comes back and scores – and then scores again to tie it up, I felt a pit in my stomach where it was almost like a here-we-go-again type of a thing. Like, these guys are playing us way too hard, and they believe. And and we did break their back when we had the chance. At that point, I kind of – I didn't think that we were going to lose the whole – I didn't think we were going to lose the entire game. But it was just a – it was a fear of – these guys are keeping it a lot closer than I really wanted them to. You have one team that I think is vastly superior talent-wise than the, than the other. But in some really key positions, they're either playing younger guys yeah. uh, on the defensive side or guys that haven't gotten a lot of minutes. And with something as weird as this lightning delay that happened, I felt like the initial surge of the excitement of the game starting Washington took advantage of that and went out to that 10 point lead, as you talked about, 
but I think that the team, the older team, the uh, the more experienced defense was able to do uh, to to stay within themselves more in that atmosphere, and that's something that hasn't really been touched on a lot from what I've seen. And uh, Chris Peterson would probably say that, you know, Washington was ready to go and all this stuff. But I wonder if that's just a little piece of what happened. It very likely could. I, and that brings to mind for me a Super Bowl a couple years back between the Ravens and Niners. Oh, yeah. The Ravens got out to a big lead and then the power outage in New Orleans. And the Ravens had been rolling. And then the the power comes back on, and the Niners just start chunking away at the lead and chunking away and chunking away. And before you know it, the game's almost tied. And you have to wonder, long outages have to go in one team's favor always, right? No matter what, whether it's experience or um, – fatigue management where, you know, your guys are, they're ready and they're playing and their bodies are warm and then they sit too long or the opposite end where guys are moving around too much and they're fatiguing their bodies a little bit faster. And so by the end of the game, their bodies are that much more worn down than the other teams. It's, that's a really tricky line to play with. And my, my initial thought is, why did they restart the game? You know, what? Two and a half hours, in my opinion, is way, way too long. There should have been no question that they should have made that game up either the next day or on a bye week. I, I, I think if it crosses an hour, that's too long for players that have been conditioned to play for X amount of time to sit around and wait. You know what I mean? Uh, I disagree with you on that. Uh, the The problem with football is there's not a ton of you're not supposed to be able you're not supposed to have to cancel games, right? So you know they didn't have any bye weeks that were the same. So that means you'd be having to cancel a a non conference game. The next day, logistically, you'd have to you'd be asking fans to come back, and you know at that point you're also coming up against uh, the NFL season opener with Seattle hosting. It just seems like a real, a lot of moving parts. So if you can get it in, I, I, I think you have to two and a half and, hours after. Um, yeah. Two and, and a half hour delay. Yeah. And it's happened before it happens in big 10 all the time. And it's just, it's, it sucks, but football's not a game. It's not like baseball. You can't, cancel because of rain or because of weather you have to try to wait it out that being said peterson did say that if it was going to get towards more towards 11 o'clock they were going to have to figure something else out but it's a logistical nightmare because of the it's not just the football game it's everything that goes it's all the logistics that go into a football game it's all the people that uh it's an it's you know it's an entire day experience i guess my my thought is that the logistics side, when you say logistics, you mean money, right? I mean people. For, no, I mean people. The only reason, in my opinion, that they wouldn't cancel that game is money. Money lost. You're losing ratings when you have to play it on Sunday because you're going up against a juggernaut in the NFL. You're losing money because you're not 
making sales from beer and shirts because as many fans aren't coming to the game the next day. It's it's not for – I don't think it's for the right reasons. They, and who knows? I mean, this is just our opinion on this matter anyways. I mean, it happened, and we lost, and we're kind of placing the blame on that, which I don't really think should be the case anyways. You know, I don't know. It's definitely not the only reason they lost. I, and it's more of a wondering. I'm not trying to blame. I'm not blaming it on the lightning. I'm not even blaming it on their decision to play. It's just one of those things that I wonder about because they're on the other side, that more veteran team for sure uh, seemed to play better as the evening went longer into the, into the morning. Totally. I a hundred percent agree. But who, who, who's to say that they wouldn't have beat us up without the lightning strike? You know, and I wonder about that because Washington and, you know, momentum sh- shifts all the time in football. But definitely the momentum was on Washington's side when the lightning struck. We had m- we'd moved the ball, we pinned them, and then we had the ball. It was either on our 40 or their 40 or somewhere in between. But we were really, really moving and we looked pretty good. That delay happened. Everything comes to a halt. Washington still jumps out and plays well. But, you know, that defense led by Evan Weaver refused to um, lay down. And then, uh, you know, Jace Garbers did not, Chase Garbers did not do a ton. He only threw for 111 yards. But that offensive line uh, could run block. Oh, man. Well, and um, they were terrible in pass protection, in my opinion. When they were in pass protection, we had defensive linemen in the backfield. But when they got to road grade, they looked great. Yeah, and Chase Garbers really hurt us on his feet. Yep. You know, he, uh, a lot of times, we were undisciplined on the backside, didn't keep containment on the edges, and he torched us because of it. And I can think of a couple of times from Joe Tryon where he doesn't keep containment and Garbers runs around the outside of him and gashes us for a first down when it's second long or third and long. And that, that, and that's a really good point. And that, I mean, that really hurts your defense, you know, when, you know, you got a guy that wants, that's hungry for sacks and tries to chase down a, a kind of a dual threat quarterback and Garbers. And he ends up making him pay when that defense should have got off that's more time that that defense is on the field. That's more tiring that, 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 you know, that's more tired at the end of the day that the defense is going to be. So, and you always hear Peterson talk about gap containment, you know, with this defense, you have to be disciplined. You cannot roam on your own because that's not how this defense works. And that's why it worked so well last year because Ben Burkirvin was so good at gap containment and it didn't pan out that way on Saturday. And you're exactly right. Uh, I tweeted out during the game that having Benning Potawai moved inside uh, hurt you on the outside this game. Yeah. Um, Cause Benning was the one that set the edge and he might not have put up the numbers there and he might be more effective on the inside. But if Joe Tryon isn't able to make that next step and understand that you're not always going for that home run, you're also playing contain. Um, it's going to be a long season, and I could see them potentially having to move Potawai back outside yeah. uh, because he was so good at setting the edge yeah. and keeping uh, – really what the Washington defense wants to do is they 
they got, they try to keep that contained with the outside two guys and push the quarterback into the teeth of their really talented defensive linemen. Because yeah. if they can do that, they feel like they could get them. But what's happened when, when it's when athletic quarterbacks have have beaten us, it's when they're able to get outside of those guys. And Potawatomi has been really really sound at keeping that uh, at that contain where. Try on what you're saying is, you know, he's going for the sack. He's going for a big play because he's a young guy. And he's getting his first, uh, you know, starter minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, it's, it's a, was it bad? Yes. But the good thing about it is these guys are being coached by really good coaches yeah. and that'll be developed out of him. Absolutely. And, and the older he gets and the more time he gets, this game was a very good learning curve for them. You know, Eastern Absolutely. Eastern was far inferior as far as talent goes. So you could rest on your laurels on just being better than them. You don't have to keep gap containment against Eastern because you know then you're, that, that, that you're better than the guy across from you, right? I could beat this guy at right. any time. Cal wasn't that way. Cal is – I think that, like, you, you hit it on the head. They're a little bit less talented than us, not on the defensive side of the ball, but – on the offensive side of the ball, they're not as talented as our defense is, player for player. If you did the same thing that you did against Eastern, Cal is good enough to make you pay for that. Although losing this game sucks, it's an incredible coaching time for this for this coaching staff. They can really pick apart the film and say, okay, here, here you go. Here's a prime example of why you need to keep that containment on those edges because – you, you you fell for an open side where there was no no tackle there, so you thought you had a free run at him, and he ends up burning you going around you. And and if they can beat that into Joe Tryon, then it's going to really pay dividends. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the the biggest area of concern for me on the defensive side, though, is the linebacking core. They got exposed yesterday. I, I think obviously having the nation's best tackler on your team last year and Ben Burkirvan, you win that game, right? I mean, the defense, the, the defense is set up for the linebackers to make those plays because our defensive line is taking up those run gaps and maybe the defensive line wasn't do. I'm not a defensive line expert, but what I saw was the linebackers getting washed out by the offensive line allowing their uh their running backs on those few drives where they put together touchdowns uh, they were getting tackled by defensive backs yeah. and, and getting those big chunk plays christopher brown had 80 yards marcel dancy had 72 and two touchdowns yeah that's and and the bulk of those came on a few drives really critical drives but when washington needed to stop them first to stick a fork in them and then to keep them from taking the lead, they just weren't able to do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, even even Garbers. Garbers had 42 yards against us. You know? Yeah, and it seemed like he got a lot of those by breaking contain with Tryon. Yeah. But when I'm talking about the linebackers, I'm talking about the running backs killed him. Sure. 192 rushing yards. You got you to gotta change that. You know, that's, <clears throat> you really got to gotta get that run, that run defense stout if you, if you want to – keep your corners from getting exposed yeah and that was so interesting when when they were when they would drop back to pass there was a time there in the 
second quarter where Cal couldn't do anything. Nothing. The uh, the defensive line was pushing the offensive lineman back into Garber's face. And I even looked at the guy I was watching the game with, and I was like, Cal doesn't have a chance yeah. if they keep dropping back. And I think, you know, Cal made that adjustment to, to pound the rock. And Washington wasn't able to get their line. Either the linebackers or the coaches weren't able to get them in position to make those plays, and they struggled. You know, it's so weird to see a middle linebacker. Last year, Ben Burkirvan has 25 tackles. And this year, I think Brandon Wellington had four in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, good on Bo Baldwin. He, he really, he's really good. Yeah. I mean, he made really, really good adjustments in the, at the halftime. I mean, the third quarter, it seemed like he kind of had his way with our defense. He made the right adjustments, he made the right play calls, and Cal's offense was really, really rolling. I mean, they they scored what fourteen points in the in the third quarter alone. They scored, Four, they scored... 14, 14 points in the third quarter alone. Yeah, you know, yep, because it was seventeen to thirteen going into the fourth. Yeah, you're right. So I mean, they only scored three in the fourth, but that third quarter, I mean, Bo Baldwin made some really they good, owned it. Yeah, they they made really good adjustments and they had their offense rolling on us. And they were in that fourth quarter when they were up. Uh, they were taking time off the clock. Yeah. I mean, that fourth quarter was fast yeah. because of how much they kept it on the ground. Uh, Washington's was eventually able to get it back. Obviously took the, lay, uh, the lead with that amazing 49, 50-yard kick by Peyton Henry, who looked like an absolute stud. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So before we get to grades, I do, I know we've been talking and we've talked, we've started to talk about the positives a little bit. Um, The positive that I really want to take away from this defense and this loss as a whole is the fact that we, like what you said, they were able to put on some really good tape for some really, really good teaching this week and moving forward. Plus if you're going to lose a game, which I think Washington is still going to be a really good team. It's really good to lose early. It's I Florida proved that Florida and Alabama proved that uh, a couple of years ago. Granted, those are SEC teams and we are a Pac-12 team. Like you said, it's best to lose early because people will forget. And Cal is a really good team, and I think they're going to be really good in the Pac-12 anyways. So I don't think this is a bad loss for Washington. There's no good loss, but I I think this isn't a horrible loss. It's not like going out there and losing the Eastern. Yeah, and the the guys that made mistakes on this defense that really hurt them were were young guys who haven't gotten a lot of playing time. Yeah. And I think making those mistakes early, getting them on tape and being able to be coached is going to really benefit this team going forward as we're asking these younger guys, these really talented players but young to be good early. And we're yeah. asking them to play more mentally and mature and being in looking like an upperclassman because of how much they're playing. So I think that, you know, at, even though it sucks that they lost, there's a lot of teaching that's going to go on this week that I think is going to pay dividends down the road this year and in the next year even. Absolutely. Because every one of these young guys will be on this roster next year. Peterson Pett said in his press conference today that with those four, it's um, Manu, Latu, 
uh, Wellington and, and I'm spacing on the other one. Sermon. Yeah, Sermon. He wants all those guys to play. So, you know, it's going to be a four-man rotation for those two spots. Man, that's tough. Um, I agree. I'm wondering when he's going to go with, you know, you think of these good Washington teams over the last few years. The two middle linebackers are stall- they're, they're always out there. Yeah. You know, you think to Azim and Keyshawn, then you think of Keyshawn and um, Ben Burkirvan, and then Ben Burkirvan and Tevis Bartlett. Yeah. Those guys are always on the field. Yeah. And so to have a carousel of four, you know, the middle linebacker's position, it's, it's one of those where you're doing a lot. Yeah. I wonder about keeping two guys in there just to keep the flow. But Chris Peterson gets paid a lot more money than I do to talk football. So I think he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> the wide receiver core struggled, right? Yes. They had 11 drops. Yes. Again, Cal last year, they had drops too. There's, there's definitely some issues. And I'm, I'm curious of why guys like Austin Osborne and Puka Nakua aren't seeing the field when Washington's receivers looked pretty inept and really struggled with getting separation, which led to skinny having to throw into some really small pockets, but those guys didn't see the ball. Yeah. I I don't know what it is about this Cal team. Maybe our receivers hear footsteps. It's they're really good defensive backs. They're they're really good defensive backs, but 11 drops is 11 drops. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bacelli had the drops. Fuller had the drops. I, uh, I'm i a firm believer if Fuller catches that ball in the fourth quarter, the clock keeps running, we might go for it. We might just kick the field goal. I, I'm guessing that we probably go for it. Uh, yeah, uh, same here. Um, that takes more time off the clock. If we get it, the game's over. Even if, if they decide to kick the field goal, the clock's running from the time that Fuller catches that ball until until we kick that field goal, which is 30 more seconds off of that clock, which rushes Cal's offense even more. And then there was another one. It, it wasn't a drop. He ended up catching it, but Skinny hit him right into the hands. He fumbles it and tips it to himself and catches it and gets a nice little game, but there was no reason that that ball should have had to have been tipped in the first place. It hit him right in the numbers. You know, and it's funny that you focus on those two, because really the one that I, that just drove me crazy was a pass that, that Bocelli caught in the end zone. Um, And, you know, I never played football outside of middle school, but the first thing that receivers are taught are when they catch the ball on the sidelines is drag your feet. And what did he do? He jumped out of bounds. I mean, he had, he had a yard to put a toe down. Um, There's no excuse for that. And, and I think that was the most egregious, even though it, you know, it, it wasn't a drop and drops are so infuriating, but that cost him seven points. Yeah. And, and, Jake, Jake could have hit him a little bit earlier, but he still hit him with plenty of time. And, I totally and, disagree. And, he hit him on the back shoulder when he was open. He has to catch that. There's no, no I'm not saying that he, he, he needed to catch that ball. You're absolutely right. And he needed to get a foot, at least one foot down. That would hurt. Good news for Washington receivers is 
they're not going to see another defensive backfield like that. And I think what you said about them seeing footsteps is a really valid point because I think that the, the separation between a defender uh, on Eastern and a defender on Cal is a lot smaller. So your, your margin for error is a lot smaller. And I wonder because of that getting into the heads of the Husky receivers had them really struggling to, 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 to catch the ball. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. With this team wanting to get to the next level, I, I would say that would be probably a concern. Yeah. You need to you need to break that habit of, of dropping balls that are put on the money. You know, Fuller goes out week one, makes spectacular catches. Week two struggles a little bit with the routine catches. Um, and that's just yeah. a concentration thing. You know, you need, to, you need to catch the ball before you start running. You don't need to catch the ball and start running immediately, especially if you're already beyond the sticks. The goal of this offense right. is to move the sticks, right? Catch the ball, and if you get hit, you get hit. But if you don't, then start running. And you, you need to really concentrate on just catching the ball that's put on the numbers. Do you think that this trio of senior receivers – is a national championship caliber receiving core? No. I agree. No, I think uh, I think the younger guys could be with Spiker, Nakua, Osborne, Osborne uh, potentially Ty Jones. Where is he hurt? So somebody put out that he ha- yeah he is hurt. Somebody put out that he has a like a season ending hand or wrist injury. But then today, uh, Chris Peterson's press conference, he said that he's week to week, and if he was out for the season, they would let us know. Yeah. And I think that – I mean, he's not, he's not lying. He said that Hunter Bryant had a significant knee injury last year and that he was going to miss most of the season, and he did. Yeah. Um, so when are we going to see Ty Jones? I don't know. The other interesting one is the senior, the deep threat guy. What's his name? Quentin, Quentin Pounds. Pounds. Yeah. Um, Quentin suspended. Pounds was ready to go on Monday or the first game. And then he suspended for the next two. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they didn't go into why, but, you know, he's another one of those guys that I think if he plays, I wonder if Bacelli's snaps would decrease because they really are. They're both kind of that big play quick guys. Yeah. Don't follow the rules, you don't get to play. So yeah, and I actually and think, I can respect that. I actually think Pounds is a uh, more talented version of Pacelli. I agree. I I think I I don't have a super duper hype. I think Pacelli is what he is. Yeah. Um. You know, he's scored two touchdowns in his career, and not dragging that toe is really a as a senior. That's that that tells me a lot. Yeah. Well, let's get to grades, huh? Jake, what do you give the quarterbacks in this game? That's tough. You know, his stats weren't there. Uh, I think he had, what, 169 yards in the inter- yep. in interception, no touchdowns. But he also had 11 drops. And I think we probably missed out on two touchdowns from him, potentially. you got to give the kid a B. I, I had him at a B as well. Um, some of, you know, one of the balls across the middle, he, he took the blame for cause he did kind of throw it at his knees, but you can't say he threw 11 bad throws, right? Yeah. You know, I, I and he puts in a position to win the game. Me personally, I'm not going to give him anything worse than to be. I think he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He didn't come out and shine like he did against Eastern, but he played a respectable game. 
and that's what I would give him. What about uh, running backs? I think the running backs are probably the best takeaway from this game. Um, Ahmed looked to form. He had a long run, 26-yard touchdown, uh, 111 yards. Looked really, really good. A couple of long plays. That One in the first quarter that could have easily gone for a touchdown if he had just broken a tackle from safety. He was gone. Ahmed looked good. Uh, Richard Newton dropped the ball in the backfield. That probably would have gone for first down. Um, but other than that, he ran the same way he did in the first week, really hard, aggressive. He's kind of the up-the-gut guy for the hard-gained yards. And McGrew had a couple of good runs as well. So I think I think the running backs come away with an A for this game. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, one of the things that you harped on for good reason last week was Ahmed, uh, it was like a 2.7 yards per attempt. Yeah. It was up. It was up to like five point seven in this game, yeah. and that's more where you want to. And and Richard Newton, he was up over six. Yeah. So that's where we want to be. The running backs. The running backs were really really good in this game. Yeah. Uh, receivers. F. Yeah. F. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean that one. That one hurts. Um, you know we've touched on it already. Eleven drops. I think Fuller with a big-time drop at the end of the game to maybe seal the game. Um, that one hurts the most, in my opinion. Uh, Bocelli with not dragging his toe. So McClatcher had a drop as well. Yeah, yeah. I just think I think the receivers really, really struggled this game. And I really w- I'm looking forward to a, a bounce-back game against Hawaii because we're going to need them. Uh, we've seen them play well. I would like to see some of the younger guys. If you know, if at linebacker we're going to be doing a bunch of carousels, I'd like to see a carousel at the wide receiver position as well. Yeah, at least get those guys some reps, see what they can do. I would agree with you on F. Uh, what about the offensive line? Uh, man, that one's tough. I, I'm probably going to have to go like a C plus. You know, Eason. Yeah. Eason had to run around a little bit. Um, Cal's defense is real good, man. They dialed up a Evan lot. Evan Weaver is real man, good. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> he had like 18 tackles. 18 tackles, 14 of them solo. Yeah, one defensive player of the week for uh, the Pac-12. That'll do it. I want to hurt. You know, a lot of pressures on him, but they also gave Eason a lot of time during some parts of the game, too. You know, second quarter seemed like Eason could just stand in the pocket and just pick apart that defense. So I'll give them a, a C-. Just barely passing. If you go to the outside, I thought the bookends did a really admirable job, Hilbers and and uh, Trey. But the interior, I thought, struggled more. Yeah. Nick Harris had a hold, um, and it seemed like in that gap, that's where Evan Weaver was having himself a day, squeezing through those guys and blowing up the plays in the backfield. Yeah. So, you know, I'd give those outside guys a higher grade. But, you know, I'm with you. Um, I think they could have played better. Trev, now let's go to defense. Tell me about that D-line. What's your grade? I'm going to give the D-line a B because I'm going to take the average of their run defense with their pass defense. Run defensively, the defensive line probably got a D, and a lot of that came from the edge with guys missing tackles and allowing Garbers to get outside with the pass rush, they were at some points giving Garbers no time to make throws. 
Um, obviously, Joe Tryon struggled, uh, but I thought the interior guys played pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. How about uh, linebackers? I'm going to be gracious and give like a C minus. No, I can't. They, they, it's got to be a D. <laughs> um, because at some points they were playing really, really well. Uh, Kyler you know, Manning made a uh, hell of a lick on, on somebody. That was a big lick. And I think that even Brandon Wellington had a tackle for loss. And Latu, again, um, maybe Azeem Victor was the last guy that when he tackled somebody did it so violently yeah. as Latu does. When people run into him, they're done. Um, so if he can get some more of that gap discipline, he's going to be a star. Now, now my question is, um, hang on. Are, my question is, are you are you basing your grades on last year's linebacker performance, or solely on just looking at a linebacker core as a non-Washington Husky fan? Because we've gotten spoiled with Victor and Bieria and Ben Verkurvin and Tevis Bartlett. They've all played really, really well for a really, really long time. And are you basing your judgment based off of those four guys previous? Well, I think that this it's more than just the players. It's the coaching staff has set the standard at the middle linebacker that they're going to be the ones that are going to make plays. And unfortunately the reason why one of the main reasons why we're talking about Washington losing this game is a couple of drives where they didn't make the plays that they needed to make. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Um, because that's where the standard is with this program right now. Yeah. And, and if this was 2012, you know, we'd be having a different story. Sure. And I would imagine that your great, your defensive grade on your DBs is probably going to, it's <laughs> kind of a similar answer, right? We've, we've gotten spoiled based off of previous years defensively from our, from our corners and safeties. What's your grade there? The defensive backs could have had a better game. I'll give them a C because, you know, you look at the end of the game. But really, the defensive backs played a really – overall, throughout the game, they played well. They just – they picked on Kyler Gordon when it mattered. Yeah. And he wasn't up to task. Yeah. And and But outside of that, um, you know, some of the run defense where – uh, the true freshman safety. Um, yeah. Um, he had Cam some hard Rowe. times. Cam Williams, he had a couple of hard times getting some guys to the ground. There's definitely some learning that needs to go on in that defensive backfield. He got torched um, on that but, touchdown run. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Outside of that, I mean, holding a guy to just over 100 yards in a four-quarter game, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, I agree. You know, C plus, I, B minus. I but dis- when it mattered, they didn't. Yeah, I disagree, and that's and that's because they didn't do it when it mattered. I would give them a D plus because okay. that last drive to me was atrocious, and uh, you know, I've tried it was, to, it was bad because you I, knew where they were going. To. Yeah, yeah, um, you knew you knew who they were picking on. For the most part, I'm trying to have a good attitude about a lot of things. Um, I'm having a really hard time with finding positives from Kyler Gordon right now. You know, and it's one of those things that he's making a lot of mistakes early in his career is that I believe he's like redshirt freshman. Yeah. So you want him to make mistakes now. Um, Keith Taylor on the other side has had two blown coverages where he's had to catch up and make a play to keep a guy out of the, well, one 
the Eastern guy, he didn't keep him out of the end zone. Yeah. But then, you know, he was the one that got burned to get Cal down to that, um, the three or four yard line. Yeah. So, you know, again, a lot of tape. Um, there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done, but these guys are uber talented. And frankly, you know, if, if Kyler Gordon has another game where he's getting the PIs called on him and he's getting picked on, he's going to get picked on because people aren't going to throw to, to Keith Taylor's side. Yeah. He's too good of a corner. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other guys that are really talented. So, you know, I don't know. Um, these guys are great coaches and they're going to coach these guys and a loss in week two, although really sucks is the best time to get some really good teachable moments to really have the coaches be able to say, you guys are really talented, but you guys are being exposed and we're going to teach you how, and you're going to play with your hair on fire, fundamentally sound football. And you're going to, you're not going to, you're not going to lose games. Yeah. And and, I think that's the best positive we can take out of this. Well, another good thing too, is now they have two weeks of non-conference football to hone in those skills. You, You need to still go out and win these two games but you have a chance to regroup, teach your lessons, learn your lessons, and apply them to non-conference games. So that by the time you get back to conference play, you're hitting your stride. Yeah, and, and the beauty is, is losing this, the humbling, the humble pie that they've had to eat. Cal, Evan Weaver can say whatever Evan Weaver wants. Um, and you know, we're both idiot high school kids and we had our parents tell us, you know, to do something a certain way. And we thought we were going to do it our way and what happened and we made mistakes. And then that's when you come with your tail between your legs and you come back and, and that's when you're ready to learn. That's when you have to eat crow. Right. Yep. I feel like some of our younger talented guys are at that point. And I think that that's going to help us springboard. And, you know, I, Frankly, I wouldn't want to be the University of Hawaii. Before we move on to Hawaii, what is your – how do you project the rest of the season going for the University of Washington? You know, there was – when we lost to Cal, there was a little panic moment in me. Is this team as good as we originally thought? Are we going to struggle this year? I had a thousand different ideas running through my brain. I, I had a hard time going to sleep. I stayed up and watched the game. I laid in bed, I sat there and just pondered life. Man, are we, are we going to be bad this year? The answer is no. As long as Chris Peterson is the coach of this football team, we are never going to be bad. We are always going to be in contention for a Pac-12 championship. We might not get it this year. I don't know. I can't predict the future. But I, my guess is at the end of the day, we, we will be going into the Apple Cup playing to – represent the North in the Pac-12 championship game. They will lock this defense down and they will continue to get this offense hitting a better and better stride every week that they play. Was this a hiccup on the radar? Yeah, but those happened. It happened last year. We still played for the Pac-12 championship. We won the Pac-12 championship and got to go to the Rose Bowl. Things like this happen in football and it's okay not to lose your mind. I needed to reinforce that in myself as a Husky fan, it's okay not to lose my mind right now. One loss isn't the end of our world. It might be the end of our playoff chance for this year because I, 
in my opinion, they're not going to give a one-loss Pac-12 team a chance to go to the playoff. But does that mean that the season's over? No, the season's not over. We can still go to a major, you know, New Year's Six Bowl, and I'd be happy with that. I would be ecstatic. That'd be four in four years, and I would love to go to the Rose Bowl with you, Trav. Unfortunately, the only we way can't we're going go to the Rose Bowl, Bowl is from the, the playoff. Okay, so we're gonna yeah. go to the we're gonna go to Arizona this year then, and go to the Fiesta Bowl. Viva Arizona! Been there, done that. You so, should go next. Uh, I think that all the goals that Washington had at the beginning of the year, and when I mean Washington, I'm more mean you know Washington fans because. We, I still believe that a one-loss Washington team can get into the playoff because I think that this year is going to be a pretty crazy year. Um, I think that a one-loss Washington losing to a, a losing one point to a defensive-minded football team that I think will probably finish with eight wins uh, is is not the worst loss in the world. Um, this coaching staffs they every year their goal is to win the Pac-12, and they can absolutely still do that. Cal's defense is good enough to win a championship, but there's other teams that are going to be able to look at what Cal did and stop that because their offense is still not very good, and I believe they will because what you said, Chris Peterson is still the head coach of this football team. Yeah, I mean, and and that's what I keep falling back on is – in my opinion, we still have the best coach in the Pac-12 um, and a, t- a top five coach in the nation. So as long as he's here teaching these young men life lessons and lessons on the football field, we're going to be just fine. And, and I'm, I'm very excited for that. I am too. And you got to think of the defense. I mean, the defense – this was a, a for Washington standards. This wasn't a great defensive effort. Think of the two guys that are the head of that defense. You got Jimmy Lake and you got Pete Kwiatkowski. If I was a betting man, I would say that they're going to be able to get the ship turned around sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So nothing but positive vibes coming from this podcast. Yeah. We critiqued what we saw, what was wrong. But we really believe that this Washington football team in 2019 is still a very, very good football team that should win the Pac-12. Absolutely. Let's move on. We're going to close the book now. Here comes Hawaii. Hawaii is traveling to Washington to play on Saturday. Jake, what do you know about Hawaii? Man, did I call Hawaii or did I call Hawaii? Hey, they're number one in the Pac-12 right now with two and zero record. They are, man. They are. They are surprisingly good. I had an I had a, I had an idea about them coming into the year. They have a really good offense. Um, they their defense is a little suspect. They gave up twenty eight to Oregon State, but uh, but Cole McDonald, he has called out two two games in a row with four touchdowns each. Uh, he also had four picks against Arizona. So, you know, the kid flings the ball around. He got there. benched in Arizona, didn't he? Yeah. But he also had four touchdowns. That's a good point. He had 41 attempts against Arizona as well. I mean, yeah. they, they, and, and the, the, the scary part about Hawaii's offense is it's not just 
one guy that he's throwing to. He spreads the ball around. Against Arizona, Bird had four touchdowns. And then against Oregon State, Ward Jojo had four Ward. touchdowns. Yeah, dude. I mean, these guys spread the ball. They huck the ball around, man. They don't run much. They're, they're running backs average about 11, 12 carries a game. It's, it's the Hawaii of old, right? Fling the ball around. The June well, Jones, yeah. Colt McCoy. Col- no, yeah. no, not no, Colt no. McCoy. What was Colt, Colt Brennan? Colt Brennan, Colt Brennan, man, that guy hucked the ball like eighty times a game. Yeah, but uh, that offense, man, they're scary. But I, I think this is exactly what I think they're going to play exactly into our team's strengths, um, which is our secondary. We have a pass rush. Um, you know, they don't run the ball a lot, so we can kind of pin our ears back and try to get out to the quarterback. And then uh, for defense, they don't have much. So I think Easton's going to have a, a pretty phenomenal day against these guys. And I, I really think you're going to see the running backs take, take an, a, another step forward from the previous game. I think you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of rushes this game. I think you're probably going to see Ahmed break the, the 20 rush mark, you know, which is going to be good to see. I think you might see Newton get 10. So, and maybe McGrew get a, a sprinkler, you know, two here. But, um, man, I, I think this offense is really going to, is going to continue catching their stride this game. I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to flash some brilliance. Right. Hawaii's going to try to outscore you. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, and against the lower half of the Pac 12, they're going to be able to keep pace. However, when you get to elite defenses, teams like this really struggle. You go back to those Colt Brennan years when they, they got a New Year's Six Bowl, and I yep. can't remember who they played, but they ended up just getting blasted because they couldn't move the ball. Yeah, um, Hawaii's system is – their receivers are small. Uh, JoJo Ward's five foot nine. Uh, they got a lot of those small guys, which frankly look a lot probably like our, receive, our starting receiving core. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of – it's – it's not – it's thrown to a patch of grass, and those receivers are in that system knowing which patch to go to. Um, so, you know, if, if it's any – it's kind of similar to the Washington State spread throwing attack in that sense, and Washington over the last – since Mike Leach has been there, has really been able to neutralize that, um, that offense. So I could see this, you know – I could see this getting ugly for for Hawaii. They're probably going to score a few touchdowns because they are pretty – I mean, regardless of their uh, ability, I mean, they still have some some skill players on the outside. Yeah. I think their offensive line is going to struggle to keep our defensive line out of the backfield. Yeah, and, and I think a really good thing for this team right now playing against Hawaii is that Hawaii's coming here because – Right now, as a Pac-12 team, you do not want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, you know. The, yeah, I mean, the uh, two Pac-12 teams have gone, two have lost. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, get them away from that home cooking. Um, get them out of town. You know, this is probably one of the best flights for them to take. Let's get them to our stadium. You know, let's show them our defense and. Uh, Let's go out there and, and let's let's beat them by thirty. Yeah, and I think that they will. What I really like about, 
and, and, you know, obviously they didn't plan on losing to Cal, but what I really like about their non-conference schedule for the next two games, go getting into the teeth of the conference schedule is they're going to play a, a pass, a strong passing team. And then they're going to turn around next week, go to, um, go to BYU, BYU. Yeah. and they're going to really get to flex their muscles a little bit and show that they've made some progress as uh, on the defensive side, protecting against the run. Yeah. So I think this sets up well for Washington to really be able to take what they've learned in practice and uh, showcase it here defensively. Yeah. I don't see this game being close. I could see it being a laugher. Um, I really hope the thing about it is, you know, we're critical of the wide receivers, but there's not a single Washington Husky that I root against. So I'm rooting for Bacelli and I'm rooting for Fuller to have better games. And I'm hoping that they're able to do that this week to get some of that confidence back and get some of those good positive vibes going their way. Yeah, absolutely. No better time than now, right? Yeah. You know, so it's a long season and they're seniors. Like that's the thing. They've been through this. They've all, every single senior on that team has had a moment in their college career, you know, especially when you're young, when you've been the best from peewee to high school, but now you get into college and there's better players than you and your confidence gets hit. So hopefully they're able to come back from that confidence hit. Yeah, absolutely. And if they're not, we got some freshmen. Yeah. All right, so last week, Jake, we were really bad at picking uh, football games. Uh oh. So we went. We each went three and six. Ooh. Um, the one that's really going to piss you off the most definitely is the Hawaii Beaver game because you, I said I took OSU, and you took Hawaii. Now Hawaii won the game, but. OSU beat the spread of six. So that was my good win. You, uh, on the lines that we made up, we went one and one. Um, I took 50 as the, uh, against WSU and they, uh, Northern (laughs) Colorado or something, uh, only lost by 42. So you won that one, but the, uh, the 28 point, spread that we had for the northern arizona arizona game they only lost by 24 so i got that one on you that's i mean i'm good with a one and one on that all right so let's try to do better this week huh i can dig all right so the first game i have is washington at houston washington um, washington state I i'm sorry that. washington state traveling to a neutral site field in Texas against Houston. So I'm going to call that uh, WSU at Houston. Wow, Washington State, eight and a half over Houston. I'm going to take Washington State. Um, I am as well. No. I said. No. What? You don't get to take any of the same picks I have. That's that's incorrect. I've already (laughs) made my picks. That's not how this works. (laughs) It's not? Are you sure? Yeah, I could have sworn so we'll I could have my way through that. Well, maybe if we were in person, you could physically bully me, but <laughs> I'm I'm 200 miles away, so you I'm know good. I wouldn't do that, Trev. Shoot, come on, you tickle me though. I do. 
So, all right. Then we got Air Force at Colorado. Colorado coming off a really impressive overtime comeback win. Did you see the score at halftime? I against did. Nebraska? Well, actually, so we were in Long Beach this weekend uh, for the car show, and the boys were napping, so I actually got to watch that game. And, boy, am I happy I got to watch that game because it was – there was, I think, seven of us watching that game together, and we were all glued to the TV. It was so much fun to watch. I think that was the the most exciting game. Well, uh, maybe unless you're a, a you know an innocent bystander for the Cal Washington game, but that was probably the most exciting game to watch all Saturday. Coming back from seventeen nothing at half to win in overtime—that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I will the tell only you time this: they though, led was in overtime. There was no, there was no uh, innocent. But there was nobody watching that Cal Washington game. That yeah, that wasn't a fan of – yeah, you're totally right. Fair yeah. – good point. So, okay, Air Force at Colorado. Colorado is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Jake? I'm, take, I'm taking Colorado. So far, we are in lockstep. I also have Colorado, which they will win more games than I had them projected at the start of the year. <laughs> so I think me too. <laughs> cool. Next, we have one of the dumbest games on the schedule for a Pac-12 team to schedule. Stanford Man. is traveling all the way to Central Florida. Man, what a what a horrible schedule job! Why would you ever do that? I feel I feel like Lynn Swan just took over the AD role at Stanford just to schedule them. Man, uh, I mean, either you win and it's like okay, you beat a, a group of five team, or you lose. And yeah, you it, lo- it, and you lost to a group of five team. Well, and the problem is, is they're ranked seventeenth. I know, dude. So there, it's not. It's so bad, so bad. So Stanford's a seven and a half point dog. And I still don't think KJ Costello's going to play. That would be tough. Who's going to win? Who's going to beat the spread? US, UCF. So far, we are still in lockstep. <laughs> Stanford well, looked bad can I hope? against they USC. They did. It's so tough, though. I mean, if KJ Costello plays, I might change my answer, but maybe not. I don't know. That's tough. Don't know. You don't really know what Stanford is this year with KJ Costello. That's a good point. I don't know. I just know that that USC quarterback looked really good against that Stanford defense. Yeah, I think you're going to see that a lot this year. Speaking of USC, they travel to BYU and they're four and a half point favorites. <sighs> I really hope BYU wins this game. But then again, I don't because then they're going to be real and, and we go to BYU next. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to take USC. All right. So uh, just so everybody knows, we did not – Make sure we are going to twinsy up this week, but so far we are in lockstep. Are we twinning? So far we are twinning. Okay. Twinning. Twinning. Next we have Arizona State going to Michigan State. Again. Michigan State is a 14-point favorite. Again, dumb. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, the home and home, at least they're a power five team, and I like it when teams will play each other. So I'm okay with this one. Michigan State went last year. These home and homes are sweet. I do you like never, the home and homes. You're right. And they're, You're right. they're farther apart. 
where you don't yeah. necessarily know. You remember when Oklahoma came to Washington when, you know, in that 2008 when they had no business playing Washington, but yeah. because it was scheduled so many years in previous, yeah. you know, this is what it is. So or like uh, us going to LSU. Uh, yep, or even going to Rutgers. Rutgers was a decent program when we scheduled that game, and by the yeah. time that came up, I mean, <sighs> yeah, you know, whatever. So, Michigan State by fourteen. Who do you got? <sighs> That's tough. Um, I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go with Michigan State. All right, so we're both going with Sparty. <laughs> cool. <laughs> This is bad. This one's interesting. And we might disagree on this one. So next we got North Texas at Cal. Cal is a 13 and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Cal. Okay, we finally have one we disagree on. I, um, when, you, when you said that, I had a feeling that you were going to take North Texas. I don't think North Texas is very good. And that's fine. Um I don't think Cal's offense is that good. No. So I think that 13 and a half points is a lot of points for a team that Dude, doesn't do offense well. North Texas got blown out the stadium by SMU 49 to 27. Yeah, but do you remember how good SMU was before they got the death penalty? Yeah, in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Bringing it back. Okay, cool. Uh, Idaho State at Utah. Oh, 36 and a half point favorite. <laughs> uh, that's a big spread, but Idaho State is meh. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Utah. Best player to come out of I- Idaho State is who? Ooh, and he was a pro me. bowler. You got me on that. Jared Allen. Oh, you're right. Turns out he didn't go to cooking school like he always said on Monday Night Dude, Football. What a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there I thought he was at cooking school this whole time. Th- this whole time, man. I mean, he even had a dance about it. Yeah. He should have um, been a Seahawk. He should have been a Seahawk. You're right. He should have yeah. been. I. Yeah. Anyhow, we got Cal Cali traveling to Oregon State. Oregon State is a seventeen point favorite. First of all, I got? didn't know first of all, I didn't know Cal Pally was a school. Did I say Pally? Or, Pally. Or or I didn't know that you were from Philly. It's Cal Pally. Cal Pally. Vince Papali. <laughs> I'm gonna oh boy, seventeen points. I'm gonna take Oregon State. Me too. Go Beeves. Go Beavs. Okay, this is the worst one of the night. We got Oklahoma at UCLA. Yeah. O- Oklahoma. No matter. I don't give me fifty. Wow. Give yeah, me, I, I I agree with you. I think UCLA is so bad. Is Chip Kelly's seat warm? Yeah, it is. It's warm. It's not on fire, but it's definitely warm. You can't. Whose seat is warmer in Southern California right now? Man, that's a good question. It ha- so it has to be. Um, I almost just said Todd Helton. It has to be Clay <laughs> Helton because Lynn Swan just resigned as the um, AD. Yeah, so I agree with you on that. Who whoever comes in as the AD 
Clay Helton really has to be begging for his job. For like, please just let me finish out the year. Don't tarmac me, please. You know, and think, that's that's a really good point. I really think Clay Helton's seat is like as hot as it can get. I mean, his bum is on fire. I think I think Chip Kelly's is warm, like moderately. Yeah. Do you think there's another coach in the Pac-12 outside of those two that has any sort of heat right now? I can think of one. Um, I would say probably Sumlin's. Yeah, I agree. That's that's the only other person I would think is it's maybe warm. So, speaking of Kevin Sumlin, Texas Tech comes to town, and Arizona is a two-and-a-half-point dog. What do you think, Jake? I'm, oh, boy. I'm going to have Texas Tech cover. Yep, I am too. And then our last one, to, our second-to-last one, big game, Montana Grizzlies headed to Oregon. 36-and-a-half-point <laughs> uh, spread. I'm going to take Oregon. I am as well. And then the last one of the night, Hawaii at Washington. Washington is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah. Does this spread surprise you a little bit? Um, no, because the offense is the offense is better than last year, I think. And I think that... Vegas understands that Cal's defense is really, really good. Um, I think they underestimated Cal's defense uh, from last week's. I think Washington was like a 13 and a half point favorite. That was yeah. obviously wrong. Um, so I think, I think they think that Washington's offense is good. And I think on the other side, they don't really think much of Hawaii's defense. Yeah. Yeah, that just that's a big that's a big spread. Um, I'm having a really hard time not taking Hawaii to cover. So I'm gonna you know say what Washington. it is a free country. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Washington wins by twenty. Washington wins by twenty. So you have Hawaii covering. Okay, but just bare, but just barely. I just see because that because I think that's I think that's a big spread. It like is a big a spread. Two Pac-12 teams. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. It's two Pac-12 teams, so you know what's great about I, we all we said that Washington was going to lose one game, and we didn't know which one. We figured it out. Yeah, that's it. Washington is not going to go down to Arizona and lose to that defense. No. So we're good. That's it. Um, Mark yeah. them down the rest of the year. That's just big fat W's. Big old dubs. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, Husky fans. That'll do it for us. This is 4th and Inches, the Husky podcast. Go dogs. Go dogs.